grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, Happy New Year! Yes, that's right, Happy New Year, as this Sunday is the first Sunday of our new liturgical year. Sounds odd, though, doesn't it? Happy New Year? Have you ever felt like the church is out of step with the world? Like... Why couldn't they figure out how to start the liturgical year, New Year off in sync with the calendar year? Now, when I was in lockstep with the world, I thought just exactly that, that the church year was out of step with the world. But now that I am much older and much wiser, tongue fully in cheek there, I've realized that maybe, just maybe, that the church is not out of step at all. In fact, I have come to think the world needs to get in step with the Spirit. For I have noticed that when I am in lockstep with the world, I don't find much peace. But when I am in step with the Spirit, peace seems to permeate, flow through my physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual being. With that, I say, stay in step with the Spirit. Thus, we begin our liturgical New Year, Year A, meaning our primary Old Testament reading this year will come from the prophet Isaiah, and the Gospel reading is coming to us primarily from the Gospel of Matthew. Two wonderful books of the Word of God to be in step with. And of course, the first step we take in this new liturgical year is a step into Advent, which is the season of waiting, the season of arrivals, the season of comings. We celebrate three different types of waiting, three different arrivals, three various comings of the king. The first of these Advent arrivals we celebrate is the king's initial coming in history, space-time history, that is. Of course, I'm speaking of Jesus' actual birth, his actual arrival on the planet. At best, scholars figure this happened around 4 BC when Herod the Great was king in Palestine and Rome was in charge of the larger world. The second arrival, or the second coming, is a bit trickier for us to set a date on because the second coming of Christ actually depends on you. Yes, when did Jesus arrive within you? Now, there's a novel thought, isn't it? Perhaps it was at your baptism, or maybe you remember the actual date and time when Jesus entered into your heart. Maybe that second arrival has yet to happen for you. Maybe that second arrival will happen today. One never knows. The third arrival of the king is what is known as the end of days or the end of time. And so Advent isn't really about just a single arrival of the king. No, it's about the arrival of the king at three different times. The first arrival is in time-space. The second arrival comes when Jesus enters our hearts. And the third is at the end of time or the end of days. It's interesting that all three of our readings today talk about the arrival of the king. Yet not one of them gives a definitive answer to the question of when. When will this king arrive? And maybe that's because each text we'll draw, we draw on today may be speaking to not only one arrival of the king, 
but perhaps to more than one of the three arrival times of the king. Here's what I mean. Let's turn to our first reading and our first look at the book from uh, the prophet Isaiah for the new year. Isaiah is really a book of theological poetry, my friends, much like the book of Genesis. It's a book of theological poetry. Poetry being words which express to us a deeper, fuller understanding of what actually is happening in material reality. So from Isaiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, we begin by reading, The word that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. It's a strange expression, is it not, to see a word. Yet the expression should wake us up to other uses of the word word in Scripture. For instance, from the Gospel of John, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And then again in John 1.14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The use of the expression in Isaiah makes clear that the words Isaiah heard formed an essential element in the divine revelation. For Isaiah saw, not with his physical eyes, but Isaiah saw with his inner eyes. The inner eye, or eye of the spirit, the eye of his mind. Isaiah saw what the divine sovereign God was showing him, showing him the treasures of heaven to be revealed on earth, in fact. Now, normally, I don't speak in such mystical terms as I am here. I usually speak with a more literal sense, a more literal understanding of the text. Yet sometimes, it's to see clearly what God desires for us to see. We need to see with our inner eye our inner spirit, and then we are open to seeing into the treasures of heaven. Well, what does Isaiah see with his inner eye? He sees an image of a mountain, and not just any old mountain, but the highest of the mountains. Now, we all know that literally the highest mountain uh, stands today in modern-day Nepal, Mount Everest. And almost every day, I see the fourth tallest peak in the world, Denali, out of my bedroom window. So Isaiah is not speaking of a geological land point, but of something higher even than that. And here's where the theological poetry kicks in. Isaiah speaks of the mount where God resides, the place where the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of mountains and shall be raised above the hills and all nations shall stream to it. Now, what is Isaiah trying to tell us here? Isaiah is trying to say to us, through the use of theological poetry, that at some point in space-time history, all the people of the earth will come and bow down before the mountain on which the Lord dwells. Isaiah is talking to us about worship, and specifically, worshiping the Creator God of Judah and Jerusalem. At the first coming of Jesus in Bethlehem, shepherds and magi from the east came to bow down before him. And then at the end of days, the third arrival, all nations and many peoples will bow down before him. When will we then allow the Lord to live in our hearts? We then bow down before him when we allow God to come before us and live in our lives, in our hearts. For us today, Isaiah is asking us, 
what is the highest mountain in your life, in your world, in your existence? Who do I bow down before, I ask myself? Or who do you bow down before? And so to embellish on the thought of three arrivals, three comings of the king, at the first arrival, when we see Jesus in the creche in Bethlehem, we see him that shepherds come and magi come to bow bow down before him. And then also when we see Jesus lifted up on the cross, we see his court as two brigands, one on his right and one on his left. We see Jesus lifted up, but we don't see many, if any, bowing down before him at that moment. At the, third atti- at the third arrival of the king, we will see Jesus sitting on the throne in the new heaven, in the new earth, at the end of time. Then all nations and many peoples will prostrate themselves before the king. But that second arrival, the arrival of Jesus in our hearts, in your heart, When was that? When will that happen? Well, that will happen when we replace all of the things that are of the highest value in our lives with the Lord Jesus in our hearts. Who or what do you worship? Who or what receives your first praise? Is it your country? Your political party? Maybe it's your culture or your way of life, your particular style. Is it your family you hold on to as the highest value? Now, nothing wrong with any of these in their own right. But when we hold one or all of these above the others, above God, and we hold them as the highest value in our lives, the place where our highest praise is offered, then that is not the place God wants to be in our hearts Our God desires to be in our lives as the highest point. If Jesus is not Lord of all, then Jesus is not Lord at all. Well, maybe this season of Advent, we pull down the old mountains of our our place and, and the places of our worship in our lives and begin to see with our inner eye the Lord Jesus sitting on the highest mountain in our world, in our existence right here, right now. And then briefly, just a short word on some of the most often quoted words out of Isaiah. The words which tell us that when the Lord sits on the highest mountain in our lives, they, they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn more anymore. When will this be? Don't we all long for this moment? Well, Isaiah points to the end of times when at the end of, of the age, all nations, many peoples, all the various tribes in the world will worship at the foot of the mountain of the Lord. Then peace will come and the new heaven and the new earth will reign. Does this actually happen then in our own lives? Will this come in our own time? Will this be a reality for us? Yes. Yes, indeed. This happens in our own time, our own lives, when we line up our mind, our lives, our private and public lives, our will, our friends, our passions. When we line up all these at the foot of the cross, at the foot of the mountain of the Lord, then we will find peace in our world. Then in our own hearts and minds, we will take the weapons of war 
gossip, envy, jealousy, strife, and beat them into plowshares, and we'll find then love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. And then we find peace in our hearts. Then we will allow our lives to be molded into vessels for use in the hands of our God. And then in our second reading, found in the letter to the Romans written by the Apostle Paul, hear the words, you know what time it is. You've heard those words, have you not? You're comfy and cozy, all wrapped up in your bed. Between the sheets, you're warm and it's fuzzy inside. And then suddenly the door bursts open and someone shouts, do you know what time it is? Time for you to wake up from your sleep. Now, sleep is rarely, if ever, seen as a good thing in the Scriptures. Think of the disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane on the night of Jesus' betrayal. They fell asleep. Think of the little child who had fallen asleep. Or think of when Jesus spoke of his friend Lazarus. He has fallen asleep. Sleep is almost always used as a euphemism for death. Paul is calling the believers in Rome to wake up from their sleep. We as well need to oftentimes be awoken from our sleep. My friends, would you not agree the church is asleep? We have become complacent, comfort, comfy. We have become lazy, slothful. If division in the church is our greatest sin, then slothfulness comes in a close second, right behind it. Paul encourages us to lay aside the works of darkness and to put on the armor of light. What does that mean, you ask? This means to live honorably, rightly, justly, letting our love be genuine to all of God's creation, all of God's images made in God's likeness. We are not to live in reveling and drunkenness, nor in debauchery or licentiousness or in quarreling and jealousy. In other words, take down the mountain at which you worship and instead fall at the feet of the Lord Jesus, denying the flesh and no longer gratifying its desires. Advent is a time for us to wake up. So let's wake up, friends. Welcome to Advent and the prophet Isaiah. Finally, in the gospel, Jesus says, Keep awake, therefore, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. Now, to Jesus' first hearers of this statement, Jesus was speaking directly to the day when the Romans were to come and tear down the temple and the entire city of Jerusalem. This happened in 70 A.D., and that day has come and gone. So does this statement from Jesus have any meaning in our lives today? Well, many see, myself included, Two days in which we can understand this text. The first understanding for us today, then, is a very personal, very real, ever-present reality in our lives. That day being the day of our death. The day of our passing from this world to the next. Metaphorically, that day is the day we give up our lives and hand our hearts over to the Lord Jesus. Physically, this day is the day we cease to breathe and our blood stops flowing and we actually die. Most, not all of us, have passed from spiritual death to new life. All of us will someday die. And so this season of Advent, let this season serve as our wake-up call. Awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead in Christ will give you life. The other day of which we can understand this reading from the Gospel of Matthew is the end of days, the end of time. 
of that day, of that hour, no one knows, not Jesus, not the angels, only the Father. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake. And therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming to at an unexpected hour. Well, Happy New Year. Welcome to the new liturgical year A, and welcome to the books of Isaiah and the Gospel of Matthew. Welcome to Advent, and be ready for the coming of the Lord. Music